We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast on the Her Hoop Stats Podcast Network. I'm Karina Mustafa alongside Calvin Wetzel. We're so excited to get into this week's episode because we have a lot to get through. We're going to talk about a new deal that the NCAA inked with ESPN. That includes college women's basketball. We're also going to talk about the, let me get this name right, it's in my notes, the Ann Myers Drysdale Awards. We have our top 10 watch list for best shooting guard in the country. Uh, I say as I'm in Canada, but I mean the United States. And then finally, at the end, we'll go through some game recaps from the weekend, as well as preview three upcoming matchups for you to watch in college basketball. Cal, you ready? I am ready. You didn't ask me last week if I was ready, and I feel like it threw everything off, but I am ready. I didn't even realize that. (laughs) Yeah, it was like we were getting back in the groove because of the new year yeah. and like load management. We had a minutes restriction and all that. Now we're like full go. So everything's all good. And and shout out to you. We talked about this last week. Shout out to you today as we record starting your internship for Canada basketball. Repping Canada with the the sweatshirt that you have that everyone should watch YouTube just to see. It's really cool. So I wanted to get that in there. Shouts to you, Karina. Thanks, Cal. Um, yeah, I can't believe I didn't ask you if you were ready last week. I didn't even realize that. I am so Yeah, sorry. you really dropped the ball on that. <laughs> you know what? Last week was like, you know when you make a batch of pancakes and the first one always comes out a little wonky? So, like, that was our first show <laughs> of 2024 after a long holiday load management. I'm just going to chalk it up to that. This is the real version now. We're on week All two right. of 2024. We're getting the, the good pancakes now. Yep. We're getting good fluffy pancakes now anyway (laughs) speaking of starting fresh starting anew in the new year let's start with this new deal that the ncaa announced just last week where ncaa and espn have signed an eight-year 920 million dollar extension to their current media rights package including the ever-growing women's march madness tournament the deal, which will begin on September 1st, will pay out an average of $115 million per year, with women's March Madness valued at $65 million out of that number. Um, the contract will end in 2032, which ironically is the same year that my passport expires. So that's <laughs> that's a funny number. But to correspond with the end of the men's tournament deal that they have with CBS and Warner Bros. Discovery, um, Cal, these are a lot of numbers. And I think... When you get past the numbers, there was a quote that kind of really stuck out to me from this press release where uh, Hillary Mandel, uh, who's the EVP and head of Amer- of the Americas for Media IMG, says, we didn't do a renewal. This is a reset. And that's kind of what stuck out. That's the quote that's in the tweet that we just put up. What do you think that means? This is not a renewal. This is a reset. Yeah, we're, we're starting 
fresh, right? With like, it, we didn't really just take that old deal and kind of revamp it. This is a, this is a whole new thing, which is is great. I think like there, there's a lot of uh, pros and cons in here that I we can get into both sides. Like, and I'm definitely not an economics major. Like, I know I do all the stats and numbers and stuff, but when it comes to like the financial side, I like I don't want to say stuff I don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, there's definitely some some good here obviously like what like you said the numbers uh i think overall it's three times as big as the last deal the women's basketball portion in particular i want to say it was nine or ten times what it was from the previous deal which is obviously as it should be it should be growing exponentially because that's what the sport is doing so the dollars attached to it should be doing that as well uh i do think that this is one of those deals where we're going to look at it in 2032 and probably think it's a steal even if maybe that's what the value is right now because like we, this past deal really wasn't terrible when it was signed but now this past year everyone's been looking at it like this is an absolute steal by espn like the the trajectory that the sport is on is such that like these dollar figures are going to look really minuscule by the time we get to that point that's what i think uh but Obviously, the growth is is really important to see, too. Yeah, and like even on the basketball, when you think about what's about to happen in the next couple of years with the WNBA, like even just outside of the NCAA with like the CBA negotiations coming up and like all this change that is about to happen, I feel like from where we are now in 2024 to 2032, I think women's sports and women's basketball is going to change so, so much. So like, yeah, you're exactly right in saying that who knows what these numbers will look like when we do get to the end of that deal and what that could potentially mean for the future of uh, the women's tournament in general. I think for me, this quote really stood out because the words are very intentional. And I think that's so important when it comes to discussing different issues in women's sports. Like, being intentional is one of the most important things because the structure of kind of the sports system has been a way in the past that has been against uh, sustaining women's sports and against growing it, against even starting it in a lot of different cases. And so I think uh, there are a lot of areas that instead of maybe trying to get better at it, they need a reset. Like we need to just go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, how can we give women's sports the same amount of resources that their male counterparts have in order to make sure everybody has fair chances to get into the sport has fair chances to have a long career and like just be sustainable overall so I really like that quote a lot just because of the intentionality that came behind it um, and with that deal too they announced there's going to be more resources being put into storytelling so it's not just a tv deal with ESPN but there's going to be stuff like longer form content being being done what do you hope to see in that form as being like someone that's half of a podcast who we are working on covering women's basketball when it comes to like tournament coverage now what do you hope to see yeah the storytelling is so important so i just hope to see that sort of develop fans i think your twitter bio says let's tell stories or something right like i think it, i, I the, changed it but it did used to say that yeah yeah okay it, it's just a really important part i think in any sport it doesn't matter what you're talking about women's or men's or college or pro or whatever like fans are developed when they sort of get to know players stories and and not just their game on the court on the field but who they are as people and where they come from and what drives them and and when fans get to know those things about players they start to relate they start like oh this this star is just like me you know like they i like video games they like video games whatever i don't know uh, and they start to tune in. They start to follow these players. That happens to me. I don't know about you. That happens to me all the time when I see, I read a story and I'm like, wow, this is like, I, this player, I relate so much to this story. Like, this is so cool. I, I really start liking them as a person. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch their games now, you know, and root for them. And so that's what I hope to see is just sort of the development, the continued development of, of fans through that storytelling. It's true. I mean, I cannot look at Cody McMahon anymore without thinking about the Grinch because they did a segment on how obsessed she is with the Grinch. Like, guys, like if you guys haven't seen this, I remember watching this like I was actually with Mark and we were watching. We we're like, 
what? Like, we never knew this about her. She's got, like, so many Grinch plush toys. She has, like, Grinch-themed shoes. Like, she has to take some kind of, like, Grinch plushie with her to games. It's, like, she's got a Grinch obsession. And I never, I never would have known that about her until they did this segment on her. So, like, honestly, it's stuff like that that, like, I hope to see, like, even outside of basketball things. Like, just this, like, weird, wacky part of a player's life that you maybe didn't know. And now that just makes them a little bit more endearing. And you remember the name and because you, you associate it with something. Um, and even just overall, I think there's so much potential with this new deal to do both long form and short form coverage, like whether that's like hiring people who have been working in women's basketball coverage for so long, who are maybe doing some social media stuff or are doing more of those like longer interviews, documentaries, like all these different forms of content. I feel like with this new digital age, there's just so much potential to cater towards like what anybody finds interesting and not to go too long on a tangent, but when I first entered women's basketball, one of the biggest questions that I had from people or like one of the biggest concerns was like, I want to get into women's basketball, but I just don't know the players. And people need to find a way to relate to them. And if it's something like, oh, this player has gotten an obsession with the Grinch, like then so be it. Like I loved little stories like that. Um, and I'm hoping to see more of that uh, with this when this new deal kicks in next year. Yeah, and I love what you said about like just hiring content creators and and people like that in the women's basketball space or, or really women's sports. Like th this deal, I mean, volleyball is part of it. Like, it's it's bigger than just basketball. But I to me, like that, you know, like you and I both know this. It's it's so hard to be a full time content creator in women's basketball if you really want to get to that point. Like, you almost have to start covering other sports as well. But that's not the case with men's basketball. That's not the case with I like I know football is is a bigger deal than any other sport, men's or women's. But just there, there's a lot of sports where you can cover full time. And I think women's basketball is getting to that point where people need to be investing in in people to cover it full time. Uh, so hopefully this will help with that. And it, like, I, you know, before we move on, I also just feel like one of the things that we have to talk about it is the units. I think Don Staley has talked about that. I, I know some other coaches say about this is, is the unit system that exists in men's basketball, not in women's uh, where if, you know, I'm probably going to get some of these details wrong. So, you know, sorry in advance to listeners, go, go check me on this stuff. But it, the general structure is that like in men's basketball, if you make the tournament and you win a game and you win another game and so on, every game that you play, your conference gets paid a certain share of that money, which is called a unit. And so it incentivizes athletic department and then they distribute those, right? So it just incentivizes them to want to be good at men's basketball. Cause if, if you're good at men's basketball and you advance in the tournament, you get more money, but that's not the case with women's basketball. You don't, those payouts don't come when they make the tournament or when they advance in the tournament, and I, I don't get it. Like, why not? It really should, because then athletic departments have incentive to pour these resources into being good at women's basketball. So I think that's the next step. This deal is like a, obviously a really good step in the right direction. Uh, but there's some stuff we would you really need to see going forward, too. Yeah, absolutely. And stuff like this is always going to spark conversation just like this. So I think um, that's also another avenue uh, of just looking for where there could be more resources. And then you get resources plus time. And we're going to go along at a good pace. Um, but yeah, that's the new mega deal that was announced last week. Uh, let us know your thoughts on it. If you have maybe any other ideas and how, you know, women's sports deserves resources and where those could possibly be. Um, but coming up next, we're going to go through our top 10 watch list for the best shooting guard in the country uh, for the Ann Myers Drysdale Award because our very own cow is a voter. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade or at least grab an extra latte. After getting a Chime checking account with features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe, no minimum balance requirements, and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com slash Goals24. That's Chime.com slash Goals24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. All right. Mr. Voter. Cal. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about this award, how you came about being a voter and kind of what's been going through your mind as you've been kind of putting this list of players together. Yeah. So we actually have a voter on her hoop stats for each of these five positional awards. Uh, and so at the beginning of the year, the, the committee basically reached out and was like, Hey, do you know, do you guys have someone who could be on, on each of these lists? And we kind of there was a few of us who basically took, you know, all right, you take point guard, you take shooting guard, whatever. So I, I got shooting guard, uh, and it's it's fun. It's fun. It's like it's it's tough, <laughs> um, because the positions thing is is so hard. Um, at, like in today's basketball, it's not you know people talk about positionless basketball, and there are kind of still positions, but there's not really five positions anymore. You know, there's two or three positions. Uh, and you're splitting hairs with a lot of these players. So putting together my list, there's some players who, uh, but that's the good thing that we, about us having our team that has, we have a voter on every position. And so I can talk to Aaron or, or Jacob and, and say, all right, you know, are, are you including this player on your small forward list? Okay. I won't have them on my shooting guard list or vice versa, you know, like, uh, and it's a little bit easier this time around too. Cause we put out, uh, so they, they had the preseason top 20 watch list at the beginning of the year which uh, uh, some of those positions I don't agree with, but that's fine. And so, but now I'm basically looking at that and like, all right, whatever position they were on for that one, I'm just going to go with that, whether I agree with it or not, uh, and just kind of leave them on there. So, you know, a few players are on this list that I'm calling a shooting guard because they did at the beginning of the year. That's how it works. But uh, it's, okay. it's definitely been like a fun process to put together. That's good. Um, there's that little disclaimer about the... Uh... I don't agree with it, but it's up there. So don't come. Well, yeah, I just want to say, like, if if someone's not on this list and you're listening, like, before you come at me, like, check if they're, you know, on one of the other lists, because like there are some haters come at us. What if if you want to hate on my list, hate on my list. But there are some players who I didn't leave off because I don't think they're top ten. I left them off because they're going to be a different position, and like I absolutely (laughs) would have had them top ten. So just to put that out there. You can leave out the people's discretion, though. They can decide which one is which. They can. They can, and if they want to hate, uh, you know where to find me. That's that's yeah. all good. In the YouTube comments. All right. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's start this list because um, we got quite a bit to get through. We're gonna go through the top ten, and then we've got a special mention at placeholder number eleven. But let's start with number one, and that is Juju Watkins of USC. Cal. I mean, I think you and I can agree. She's probably one of the, if not the most exciting player in college basketball right now. Um, how did you decide that she's number one? Although I have a feeling it was pretty easy. And what have you liked so much about her? This was very, I mean, the hardest part of this was, is she a shooting guard or small forward? The hardest part wasn't, it, does she deserve to be on the list or where does she de- deserve to be? Because like you said, I to me, she's second in national player of the year right now behind Caitlin Clark. So any list other than point guard, she would be number one on it uh, pretty easily. So, and, and they did ask us to rank these one through 10. So this, this one 
was probably the easiest one, I would say, other than deciding which position she was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. No, I really loved uh, the way Juju has played with USC. We've talked about her a lot on this podcast. All right, number two, we have none other than Miss Paige Weckers of UConn. Tell me what went into choosing her second. Yeah, so obviously she's an All-American candidate, and she has a National Player of the Year under her belt. She's back this year. She's been healthy, knock on wood, all year, and we've she's been so efficient. She, you know, putting her at this position, like uh, that's where they had her at the beginning of the year. So uh, it, she played point guard, you know, coming into college. But Nika Mule now runs the point. She kind of plays the four for them. Some that we've talked about on this pod, but. They had her at the two, so I'm putting her at the two. Uh, she's averaging over 20 points a game on really efficient scoring. That's what stands out to me. She's so efficient. So to me, uh, she had to be number two on this list. Yeah, and we love to see her back on these lists and back and being healthy, like you said, knock on wood. Um, okay, let's go to number three. We have Tania Latson of FSU. Uh, what have you liked about her game this year so far? She's just so dynamic in the open floor, like you saw there, for a team that loves to get out and run. And she's really, I, I think, the last two years been a little bit under underrated. Uh, she's a sophomore now um, in terms of her scoring ability for Florida State. And I think she deserves to be like right up there in the conversation, right behind Paige Beckers, just, just nationally, you know, whether you're talking about shooting guards or not, just in terms of her scoring ability. So uh, I've, she's one of the most fun players to watch play. And I wish she got more national TV time. Uh, I think she's getting one that we're going to talk about a little bit later on this pod, but definitely love her game. I love her shooting form too. I think she's got such a nice shot. Um, there was something else I was going to say about her, but I forgot. So let's move on to number four, <laughs> which is a player that uh, we talked about last week, actually, which is JJ Quinterly. Um, what have you liked about her that you maybe didn't only talk about last week on the pod yeah I could, I could go on and on about her you you see her offensive game here and there there you see her at the top of the press in this highlight which has been one of the biggest things that she's brought to press virginia this year she's their leader on both sides of the floor uh you know you see her wreaking havoc but even even in the half court offensively what she's been able to do I, she's one of the more improved scorers and passers in the country i think uh and so it was pretty easy for me to have her on this list and, and even in the top half. I like it. I like it. Um, okay. We're heading up to number five. So we're at the middle of the pack here. Um, and I decided to take a clip from, or to set the compilation of a clip from Mark Schindler's YouTube page. Make sure you go subscribe to that. Um, Cause he posts a lot of good clips and he had this nice compilation. I searched up Madison Connor highlights and this is one of the top videos. Um, but Cal, what have you liked about Madison Connor with TCU this season? Yeah, well, first off, by the way, Mark Schindler finally uh, putting his pod on YouTube. So if you go to his YouTube Correct. page, you see his, his pod now, just today, I think. Uh, Madison Connor is the first player on this list, checking in at number five, who was not on the preseason top 20 list. Uh, the first four all were, but, well, actually, no, I'm wrong about that. Juju was not, which I think is stupid. Juju was Ooh. not on any of the preseason list, I think. And I, I don't understand that. She was on, I, I should rephrase. This is the first one who was not on my preseason list uh juju was on mine she didn't make the overall one someone explain that to me anyway madison connor has skyrocketed skyrocketed up these boards and we've talked about her and tcu a lot on this pod but uh, she's a flamethrower i'll keep saying that she's such an elite shooter but so much more than that she her ability to score at at different levels and in different ways and it's gonna be even more important here in these next few weeks without sedona prince so i've Thoroughly enjoyed watching her play this year, uh, and she's firmly one of the top 10 and I think one of the top five shooting guards in the country this year. I forgot that you called her a flamethrower. That's pretty. That's a pretty sick nickname to have. Um, all right, coming in at number six, unfortunately did not have time slash the resources to put together her highlights, but um, we've got Abby Sue from Columbia and you know, something that I've noticed this year is like the Ivy League is doing great. So, Cal, what have you really liked about her um, with Columbia so far? Ivy League is so good. Ivy League basketball is is something that people. I wish people, you know, I wish they got more credit because it's one of the better leagues in the country. And she is the player of the year in this league. She's one of the best mid-major. She's the first mid-major on this list, one of the best mid-major scorers 
across all the basketball at any position. And she's an elite rebounding guard, has a lot of size, uh, someone that absolutely deserves this type of recognition. So very high on Abby's shoe. Yeah, love that. Um, all right, coming in at number seven is a player that we both really love. We've talked about her a lot on this podcast because we talked about UCLA a bunch. Um, and that is none other than Charisma Osborne. Um, I mean, what can we say about her? Like, she is so good at just finishing at the rim, scoring in general. Cal, what have you liked about her? Well, I, I love that we we keep going down this list and we keep finding players that we have already given love to on this pod. It makes <laughs> me feel like maybe we're doing something right. Uh, she's a significantly improved passer this year for UCLA and has been asked to do more of that. And really a key defender, too, in addition to the things that you mentioned. I think the last time we talked about her on this pod was about her defense on another player on this list, and Juju Watkins. Uh, and, and Charisma Osborne played very well in that matchup, all things considered. All right, let's move on to number eight. We're getting closer to the bottom of this list. Um, we have Sarah Scalia from Indiana. Is this Scalia or Scalia? My brain I believe it's is Scalia. 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 Okay, Scalia. cool. Um, I pronounce things weirdly sometimes, but what have you liked about her so far? Oh, you're good. You're good. She's, uh, well, without Grace Berger in Indiana this year, she's taken on a much bigger scoring load, and she's done so with, really good efficiency as well which doesn't often happen when you when you are asked to do a lot more on the offensive end that you increase your efficiency but she has uh shooting 45 percent from three she only missed one free throw all season so i think she's been uh, they were going to need someone to step up in the absence of grace Berger. obviously mckenzie holmes is always elite holding down the post but in terms of that perimeter score and, and she's really taking that on and at number nine We've got Jazz Shelley of Nebraska, um, another team that we did talk about last week as one of our teams to watch in the month of January. Um, what do you like about her game to have her on this top 10 list? Yeah, she's one of the better passers on this list. She's really a combo guard and can play a lot of point. And uh, she has done some of that throughout her career at Nebraska with um, some of the injuries, especially last year that they had. But uh, she's one of nine major conference players with a triple-double this year. Um, she can, so that, that always tells you she can do it all. And her combination of, like we said, passing, but also her ability to shoot the ball, uh, last year, Jazz Shelley, Caitlin Clark, only two players in the country with 200 threes and 75 assists. No, maybe it was 75 threes and 200 assists. It was one or the other, whichever one makes more sense. 75 threes and 200 assists. That's what it was. Uh, I, I, I think I got my numbers flipped there, but either way, when you're in a conversation with Caitlin, it's Clark, okay. It's a lot. It's a lot. Either way. <laughs> it's it's yeah. Whatever, whatever it is, Caitlin Clark and jazz Shelley shooting, passing combo. That's that, that's what it was last year. So um, it, and she came back for her fifth year and has really been leading Nebraska this year as well. So definitely she was on the preseason list and I think she has deserved to stay on it. Yeah, um, I think she's a great pick on this top 10. And then coming in at number 10 is none other than, than oh God, help me out with the pronunciation, please. Brenna um, Maxwell. Brenna Maxwell. Maxwell. Thank you. Um, I'm so sorry. Oh, Gonzaga. Uh, another word that I don't know if it's ever Gonzaga or Gonzaga, but what is it <laughs> so far? Oh, God. Pronunciations oh, are kicking me in the butt today. This is it's tough. It's tough. No stress. Yeah. She's uh she's been a great cog for uh Gonzaga's high level offense. And by the way, go, going back to Mark Schindler's pod, talked to another significant member of that offense today. His first YouTube clip of that pod was uh Yvonne Ejim. So go listen to that. I haven't actually listened to it myself yet. I plan to tonight, but I'm sure they talked about Brenda Maxwell some it's great on that in uh market. Well, you can tell me did they also did a they Canada basketball Brenna? member. Also yes, exactly. Member, so. There you go. There you I'm go. Not spoiling uh, it. Go listen to the pod. I'm not okay. telling you if they did or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. You're right. Good call. I know Mark and I got into Gonzaga's offense and talked about all of them, including Brenna, a little bit uh, on a pod a few weeks ago. If anyone hasn't listened to that, but her her shooting ability and her ability to come off staggers and pin downs and different types of screens, I think is key, you know, especially next to someone like Ejim uh, who anchors the post. And she's another one who's on the preseason list. This one was tough. I, there's a lot of players you could make an argument here for in this last spot, number 10, but 
to me, like she was on the preseason list and I, I, I don't think she's done anything to lose her spot. So uh, I think she's been just as solid as she was last year, other than the three point percentage is down a little bit, but it was also one of the best in the country last year, upper forties. And she's still in the forties, still an elite shooter. So uh, to me, she's, she's still definitely deserves to be on the top 10 list. Yeah, Gonzaga being one of the more exciting teams this season so far. So there you go. There is your top 10 list. And I know you have a very special mention at number 11. And I won't make the terrible joke about her name that I made off the pod. But uh, who do you have <laughs> coming in in that special slot at number 11, Kel? Yeah, I feel like... not we, at the bottom of any we, list. Uh, no, absolutely not. She... Uh, I feel like we had to give someone a shout out just for being so close at someone who a lot of people probably haven't heard of. Izzy Higginbottom from Arkansas State. I thought long and hard about having her on this list. And to me, she checks in just short at number 11. Uh, but like you said, she's not at the bottom of any list. She's number 11 out of like thousands of players. And what she's done for Arkansas State this year, a team that most people probably aren't familiar with, player that most people aren't familiar with, she's averaging over 20 points a game on great shooting uh and she's you, you watch some of their they've had some close games too they had a comeback in overtime the other day against uh i want to say it was north alabama that that she really took over and i think she just deserves some love i can't quite get to her above any of these players on the top 10 uh and obviously level of competition matters and that's one thing about brenna maxwell i think that edges her out is that Gonzaga has played elite competition. So their strength of schedule, Brenna Maxwell is doing it against some high level teams and high level defenses. But I, I couldn't not get through this segment and, and at least give Izzy Higginbottom some love for how close it's, it's remarkable that someone from Arkansas state even had me thinking about putting her on the top 10 here. All right. So there you have it. There's our top 10 or say Cal's top 10 plus 11. Um, I'll say them one more time, hopefully all the correct way so that people have the top 10 list. So obviously we had our special mention, Izzy Higginbottom at number 11. Then starting at number 10, Brenna Maxwell, Jazz Shelley, Sarah Scal Scal Scalia, Charisma Osborne, Abby Shu, Madison Connor, JJ Quinterly, Tania, 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 Latson. Paige Beckers and Juju Watkins. You know, for somebody who says a lot of like really hard names in tennis, you'd think I would get the hang of it by now. <laughs> um, but English is not my first language. So my brain likes to say things in the Romanian way. And then I get messed up because I can never remember which way is the correct way. Um, yeah. So if anyone why. tries to come at you, they should know that. Karina has an excuse for this. Like, you, yes, you I have a goldfish brain. <laughs> That's now what the excuses i was gonna say but uh, no. I, I, the excuse you know, is that i pronounce things in a romanian way yeah but. it's fair I, I feel like when announcers get names wrong it's like i've you know sometimes it bothers me but that's because they're they're american they're english they should know this i, I feel like i'll you never forget this is so this is like tennis related but just to give you guys kind of like a glimpse into how my brain works so there's something called the labor cup which happens every year in tennis. And it's like a team event. It's named after Rod Laver. So it's named after a person. And I'll never forget, I went on the tennis podcast that I was working on at the time. And I said, the Laver Cup. And my two co-hosts <laughs> literally died laughing at me because I didn't even realize in the moment. I just said it because my brain thought that that was the way. And then they're like, Karina, it's Laver. And I was like, see i knew that but my mouth didn't say it so that's a little glimpse into that but all that being said that is the top 10 list if you have anything that yes cal what do you want to say no i feel like i don't mean to cut you off i forgot something that i was going to say that's really important so with this list uh someone who would have been on my list except she's on the small forward list uh is mara braun and I, Ooh, I had nice to idea. bring her up. I had to bring her up because I have to shout. I'm obligated to shout out Eric Bugard. I, now my turn to mispronounce names. I think I am <laughs> pronouncing your name correctly, Bugard. But anyway, Eric told me that uh, he would. Well, I, I told he he was asking me when am I going to start wearing Minnesota stuff. Big Minnesota fan. I told him, listen, if you send me something, I will wear it on the pod and give you a shout out. So he. 
he kept his word. He sent me this hoodie. So Eric, That's I'm wearing cool. it on the pod and I'm shouting you out. Thank you for this hoodie. It's so cool. I love it. And I I would have had Mara on my list, but she was on the preseason small forward list. And I think she's going to be on the top 10 small forward list. But anyway, I love this hoodie. Thank you. Had to get that in there. We're getting a lot of requests on this podcast <laughs> to talk about things. Listen, uh, if anyone things. wants to send me gear, I will wear it on the pod. I will take free gear for wearing it on the pod. I think that's a great trade. Just throwing it out there not, for all our listeners. Not you accepting bribes live on the show. <laughs> not oh, above it. Incredible. Not above it. Um, okay, I hope he uh, doesn't hear that um but that's the top 10 list with our special mention of course make sure you let us know on social media whether or not you agree with that any players that you think we're missing um and we will happily engage with you in the comments all right let's move on to our third and final segment before we wrap up the show we're going to recap two exciting games that happened this past sunday i feel like sunday was such a packed like day of games like the pack 12 had just close games on all day and i'm so sorry for the people that like don't get the pack 12 and i you know get it on my trusty iptv up here in canada but all the games were super awesome um but these two specific games and i'll put the graphic back up for youtube watchers we're going to recap virginia tech and nc state and arizona and utah both i think both ended by like a one point differential and yeah. at the very last um at the very last second which i thought was cool um we'll start with virginia tech and nc state because that one happened first uh cal what was your like initial reactions a to the buzzer beater and just like the game overall it was such a good game so well first off you missed an opportunity when you said that we had a packed slate of action in the pack 12 was really good i feel like there's a pun and there's somewhere, and there, I expect you, you to be the one to find you it. Know well, you're, you're the <laughs> pun queen. That's true. And that's true. Uh, I, I, I really thought it was coming, but no. See, Sunday last was week, a... I didn't ask you if you were ready last week, so I've just been dropping the ball on a lot of things. Okay. <laughs> you, you have. You need to step up your game, Karina. I'm telling you. No, the, Sunday the was a great week of basketball, wasn't it? Though you do, you do. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Sunday was a great week of basketball, though, for sure. I think. <laughs> It felt like that. It felt like whole week in one day. Uh, yeah. This game, to me, like I, I don't know. I Virginia Tech definitely showed me something because I think they've had a few big games this year where you talk about the Iowa game, the LSU game, where it looked like obviously they've looked great, but they get up against that level of competition and it looks like they're just kind of one step, one step short. And, and it started to feel like that in this game, too. It started to feel like another one of those games, same story. NC State was up, I believe, double digits. Felt like, you know, Virginia Tech's going to do the same thing that happens when they get against this high-level competition. And to see them make that run uh, and then the way that the game finished on both sides was incredible. And we have to talk about the finish. Uh, I know we have a couple of videos. So let, we should put up the video first of how this game ended. Obviously, it was back and forth, and we had – uh, right before this, NC State takes the lead. And then more or less a buzzer beater, essentially, from Elizabeth Kitley here on the ATO, which Kenny Brooks, amazing ATO coach, amazing situational coach, uh, like baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds. Uh, and, and you know, Sanaya Rivers scores with two seconds left, a great take against Elizabeth Kitley uh, on the baseline for her. And then we get this play, which can you put it back up? I can. It's like, just when uh, you think it's over, it's not. It's not because we have this this great sideline out of bounds with Georgia Amor setting a screen, uh, like a little, I don't know if you call it a flex screen when it goes the other way or not, like a, a cross screen for, for Kitley. And put it up one more time because what stood out to me, can we like pause it on here or no? Does it let us uh, see that? I have no idea. Okay, maybe not. Well, it's fine. Keep playing it. Because okay. so Zoe Brooks is not guarding the ball for NC State. Uh, she's she's on the block. They basically have three on two. If you look down like around where all the action is happening, there's three white jerseys and two 
maroon or whatever jerseys. Uh, and so clearly NC State, between that and the way that Sanaya Rivers is guarding Amor there, uh, I guess like top locking her, you can you can tell that NC State is trying really hard to protect against Amor coming towards the ball, towards that baseline on the top of your screen or that sideline on the top of your screen. Which is what set this up perfectly because they run it the other way. Kitley comes off the screen away from the ball, is wide open because NC State's fo- so focused on that other side. Zoe Brooks ends up being a non-factor in the play, even though they put her there to, you know, instead of putting her on the ball uh, in order to basically like be a rover and, and take that away. So well, it's just brilliant stuff from Kenny Brooks. And the thing I love the most, I'm a sucker for like shooters setting screens. So Georgia Amor setting a screen here being the, and using her to get Kitley open, something that I, I love that they did. And put up the other clip now. They did this once last okay. year, too, on a game winner. Not the same play. Same concept, though. Amor setting a screen here for Kitley. Tie game, and Kitley knocks it down at the buzzer for the winner. Uh, the same same concept of using Georgia Amor's gravity to basically use her as, as a screener and get Kitley open. I, I love what Kenny Brooks did here, and I, I love the concept in general. And I love him so much as an X's and O's coach. So I, I think this was just really cool to see it on display. Yeah, um, and in case you guys didn't get it from me playing the clip 27 times <laughs> on YouTube, uh, I'll play it one more time. Play it one um, more time. Why not? <laughs> just a beautiful play. You're so right, though. Yeah, what a play. Oh, my God. What a game. Um yeah, that was an incredible matchup. Um, and I know we're going to be talking more about NC State as well in the next couple of weeks on the pod. So, yeah, uh, great breakdown, great play. And then the other game was uh, Arizona defeating Utah. That was a very exciting game. Um, obviously, we know like Arizona's been a pretty consistent team in the past, but this year has been a little bit up and down. And Utah obviously has been pretty solid. But I think watching that game, a one of my takeaways was I'm so sorry, but the refs were just not great. They were very whistle heavy on Utah side. So like it's pretty impressive that Arizona came out on top just based on that alone. Um, and I normally I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a person that normally doesn't care about the refs because I do care about the refs and they make me pretty angry. So they made me angry in this case, too, and we don't get fined for that. So I'm OK with talking about it. But I just <laughs> the way that they were, I think, like blowing the whistle on Alyssa Peely versus like anybody else on Arizona State was just a little bit frustrating. Um, but I thought Arizona overall did a good job of playing against that matchup. Um, they had two players above that both had a 20 point game um in kaylin gilbert and helena pueo um they were both really impressive i like that kaylin gilbert is so fast i mean i think one of my biggest takeaways from that game was arizona did have a couple of like questionable drives to the rim at certain points in the game where they were just not finishing great and i was like okay well this cannot be the way until until the game went to overtime and they were in the last couple of minutes and Gilbert is just like running to the basket and she's finishing every single time. And I'm just like, Oh my God, there she goes again. And just has like the defense falling. Um, I thought that was super cool to watch. And then they were able to get the very, very tight win at the end there by one point, but just overall a really good showing from Arizona. I feel like gritty was a good way to describe that win because it didn't feel like, super solid it kind of felt like they had just kind of ran away with it a little bit there at the end but you know utah is no easy opponent so i thought overall that was a very good win for them as for utah i think have they dropped a couple in a row now if i'm not mistaken two out of three two out of three. yeah yeah so that one was a little bit i think Alyssa peely didn't really have the best game i can't remember what she ended up finishing with but that if she was definitely like being taken out of rhythm and um definitely settling for shots I feel like on the offense a little bit when I was watching um it was like a little bit I don't know what the right word is maybe a bit like laggy at certain points where like it felt like Arizona was just kind of swarming her and she didn't really know where to pass it at times or just settling for some maybe clunkier shots that weren't really falling as nicely but yeah, overall, that's kind of my thoughts on the game. A really good win from Arizona. Really exciting. I've also been loving um, 
Adia Barnes uh, is outfits this season on the sideline. She's been killing it. She had this one outfit that was all like sequins and sparkly that made for the W posted on their social accounts that I thought was really cool. She looked she looked really stressed in this game, but her outfit was really nice as always. Um, but yeah, those are my takeaways. Great win. Great outfit. I think whoever dresses the best will come away with a win. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that takeaway. I No, some of the stuff you said, though, was, was definitely interesting because so I, I couldn't watch this game live. I watched it back. So the first thing I noticed, like a couple possessions in, you talked about the calls and the refs and stuff. And so... The game before this, uh, Alyssa Peely didn't play the second half. Uh, she left the game with an injury. Uh, and then after the game, Lynn Roberts, Utah's head coach, basically went off about how, like, the refs don't protect her. They don't give her calls, blah, blah, blah. And it so they overcorrected. Like yep. I, I think it's safe to say that Lynn putting that out there had an effect because even in the very, yeah. I think it was the second possession, first minute of the game, Peely had what I would consider a pretty easy offensive foul call, just completely extended her arm out. I want to say it was Esmeri Martinez. I forget who exactly. And they called a, a defensive, they called a block, which right away I was like, all right, so Peely's getting the calls in this game. huh? Didn't get him last yeah. game. Her coach stands up for her as you should. Good for a coach. Always stand up for your player. Uh, and it clearly worked. Uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, that was a great point by you because that was something that stood out to me. And then you're talking about, like, her maybe not knowing what the right pass to make, selling for some shots. Uh, at the very – I think it was at the end of overtime. Yeah. At, at the end of overtime, she had this uh, – that three that got blocked by Pueo, Elena Pueo, who, by the way, like you said – incredible game on both sides of the ball dropped 20 and it's cool it's cool because she's a fifth year and she's the only player on this there were some foul calls on her that i did not agree with yeah like she would breathe and the ref would whistle on her and i'd be like come on man like that's not at home at home and 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 she just played through it because she's a fifth year and that's what she does and she's the only player on this team who played in that championship game a few years ago with ari mcdonald and and all of them so it's cool to see what she's doing now uh, the, the only holdover, but to me, like, so obviously talked about what she did in the offensive end scoring wise, but on the defensive end at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime, she made a huge play helping off of Ines Vieira. Uh, that's what I think I'm saying correctly, <laughs> uh, for Utah. Um, at the end of regulation, uh, Pueo helped off her in the corner and, and stopped. Uh, it was Deja Young, I think, cutting. It was actually a great ATO. It almost ended up being, we almost ended up having this conversation about two great sideline out-of-bounds ATO game winners with Virginia Tech and Utah with like one second left. Uh, but Pueo came over and helped uh, enforce the miss on that on that cut and, and sent it into overtime. And then at the end of overtime, uh, same thing, not same play, but she helped off Fieta again. And this is where they had enough time on the clock that Peely should have swung it over to Vieta, who was wide open, who would have been able to get just in like the most open shot that you'll ever have. Uh, and I think Utah was up one at the time uh, and it was around 30 seconds left. So it would have been almost a dagger. It would have put them up four uh, if they were able to get that shot hit. Instead, Pueo c- comes over to help, uh, gets the block, and they end up getting a shot clock violation. And then Arizona goes down and wins it down one instead of down four. The next pass. So Elena Pueo, unbelievable performance. Two of the most clutch defensive plays helping that you will see in addition to her scoring. And I think I think she really, really, I, I love that you brought her up because she was huge for Arizona getting this win. Yeah, no, I was really impressed with her. Um, that was a really, really exciting game among all the other exciting games on Sunday. 
Um, like you said, it did really feel like a week in one day, uh, <laughs> but it was a lot of really good basketball. And that's always a good problem to have. And speaking of good basketball, we've got some games coming up in this next week for you to watch. I'll put up the graphic here for our YouTube watchers. Um, we've got TCU versus Texas on January 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern on the Longhorn Network. Then we've got University of Northern California, Carolina, not California, <laughs> versus <laughs> FSU that was not nearly the same thing um and they just got the win over I think they they beat Notre Dame on Sunday right or is it North Carolina did beat Notre Dame yep yes okay um they just got the win over Notre Dame and now we'll face FSU on January 11 at 6 p.m eastern on ACC network and then we've got Stanford versus Utah on January 12 on Pac-12 network Stanford also was another one of those close games on Sunday against Washington State. So until it was no longer a close game, but it was a close game in the first a quarter and a half before they kind of separated. But yeah, those are three really good games. Which one's your favorite, Cal? Which one are you looking forward to the most? I think I think Utah Stanford because I think we we talked about Utah dropping two of three now. And obviously they've dealt with a few injuries here and there, but you know, Peely came back. She didn't miss an entire game. Uh, and they, they looked okay without Gianna Neepkins after she got hurt. Uh, and same with Palmer. So to the, it's it's not just that. This last stretch here, Utah, something else is going on. And, and Stanford's a tough opponent to have to bust out of a slump against. Um, but it, these other two matchups, really excited for too. Because Texas and, uh, and TCU... Both teams dealing with a star injury. Roy Harmon out for the year, but Texas still took apart West Virginia the other day, which was really impressive to me. TCU starting a few weeks here without Sedona Prince, so even a bigger load, like we said, on Madison Connor, Jaden Owens. Uh, and then North Carolina, Florida State. North Carolina, like you said, they beat Notre Dame the other day, and their defense played really well in that game. Uh, they When they beat Oklahoma earlier in the year, now Oklahoma couldn't buy a shot, but still North Carolina's defense stepped up. We've seen their defense play really well against some good, good offensive teams. And this is another one of those matchups where you play a team like Florida State who knows how to push the pace and score the ball and a team like North Carolina who is going to want to do everything they can to take them out of that and force them into tough half-court looks. It's it's going to be, I think, a fantastic chess match. So all three are are really good. Yeah, I think North Carolina FSU is probably my favorite matchup out of those three that I'm looking forward to. Um, but let us know which wh- which one you're looking forward to, whether that's TCU Texas, North Carolina FSU, or Stanford Utah. Um, that'll be happening all of this week. Uh, what a loaded episode we had today. So thank you so much for sticking around till the end if you are still here with us. Um, her who stats is covering college basketball as always throughout the week make sure you're following us on socials at her who stats myself at krina mm you got calvin at c wetzel 31 uh cal any last thoughts before we wrap up this podcast i just want to say this was a great pancake i feel very full from this <laughs> pancake. i think we made a whole batch of really good yeah. pancakes <laughs> plural pancakes you're you're right yeah. Um, and now I'm hungry, which means it's time to go eat. But we will, thank you so much for tuning into Coast to Coast, and we will see you next Tuesday.